Well, good morning. Uh, thank you guys again for being here. We are going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 this morning, so you can go ahead and kind of get started getting there. Um, but really, it's, it's an exciting time uh, to be a part of this church. And uh, if you're new here, um, you're not aware, maybe you've seen like the changes that are happening, but we've been going through a big season of transition. It's one that God's been taking us through. Uh, real quick, um, like if you are new and new to this place, there's a guest card that if you want to fill that out and drop it off at the desk on the way out. So we have a gift for you just to say thanks for being here. Um, we want to know uh, you and have you get to know us. So do that for me if you would. But... If you don't know, which it always feels silly to kind of introduce myself, especially because I've been here for so long, but I know that not everybody knows me. So my name is Brandon Pittenger. I'm the family and worship pastor here at Valley Church. Uh, I get the distinct privilege of hanging out with all of your sixth through 12th grade students. I get to teach them. Um, and it's a, it's a really big honor of mine. I'm pretty passionate about that age group. Uh, it was when um, I came to know the Lord when I was 15. And it was just such a formative, it's, a, it's such a formative tough time uh, just to be alive, really, if, between that age group, um, because there's so many changes that they're going through. They're figuring out who they are going to be, and then on top of that, figuring out who Jesus wants them to be. It's, just, it's a lot to manage. Um, like I said, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 15, uh, and I can just, we can just say that I had a long way to go spiritually. Uh, there was a lot that I just was wrapped up in. And... Um, <laughs> I don't want to get into too much. I want to get into too much of it. But I didn't have the luxury of like a believing home. Um, but what I did have was I did have some loving leaders uh, who, who did their best with someone who wasn't really theirs, honestly, uh, and who was actively pursuing things that would turn most adults' hair gray. They, they tried. Uh, they tried with me. And now I know that I was young and I was immature in both the physical and spiritual sense, but I did know that I loved the Lord and I knew that I had given my life to him. But it did feel like for maybe the next 15 years or so, looking back, um, that I would just kind of battle with what I'm calling like spiritual frustration. And it was feeling like different waves of shame and guilt, seasons of like perceived distance from the Lord. Uh, it felt like I was living as though my relationship with Jesus was more of a, a long distance relationship, one where you would make phone calls uh, and speak to someone for a little while, have some good conversations, but then you hang up and then you're alone again. When the reality is that there is no picking up or hanging up the phone, um, that he's always present, right? He's always with me. There is no uh, uh, entering in or leaving his presence once you believe in him. But it was hard for me to understand that. And like I mentioned, when I was younger, I was involved in, in quite a bit. And I knew that there were a lot of things that needed to change in order for me to be what I thought was expected of me was to be a good Christian. Um, but I think that's what, uh, there's a big issue with that kind of thinking. That's really what I want to talk about today. But before I kind of go any further, we're going to read our scripture. I want to invite Lauren Foxworthy up if you are in here. Uh, there you are. If you want to come on up, uh, we're going to look at Ephesians 4 verses 22 through 24. And then we're going to skip down to 5 verses 1 and 2. So if you would and you're able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? If you're using the black Seatback Bible, that's on page 1038. Take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness, in righteousness and purity of the truth. 
Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. All right. Thank you, Lauren. You guys can be seated and go ahead and keep your fingers there. Keep your pages turned open uh, right there in Ephesians 4. But let's pray. Let's commit this service to the Lord, and then we will dive into our text. Father God, I'm just grateful, Lord, for um, this morning, grateful for the worship, grateful for um, the truth of your word, um, the example that you've given us, that you've laid out for us um, in, the, in the areas of our lives that you call us um, to holiness. And I just pray, Lord, that you'd help us as we pursue you. And as we um, pursue you now through your word, would you help us to surrender um, our hearts and our minds, our ears, everything to you. Um, and we want to commit this service to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so as I began to live this Christian life, knowing that there were things that had to go, I tried my hardest to just trash those things. Like I said, I was involved in a lot, and there was a lot that I had to get rid of, and I tried my hardest to just get rid of them. And the Lord definitely used my efforts to bring about some good, but what I noticed is that everything I did was because someone had told me to do it, right? Or the Bible had said, don't do this, so I didn't do that. And I was trying really hard to figure that out. And then I met my wife, my now wife, and I met her at youth group. And, and she was really kind of a rock star when it came to faith. At least I thought she was, and her pursuit of the Lord. And I've, I've learned a lot from her over these years. I've, I've grown a lot because of her and the way that the Lord used her. And I'm incredibly thankful for, for her and her patience and example that she's given me. But what I found was that on top of the changes that I was making and I was trying to just be a better looking Christian, I was really kind of relying on her spiritual formation as my own. And yes, we are supposed to look to other believers as examples, but the goal of that is that we would begin to pursue and build for ourselves our own deep and personal relationship with Jesus and that we would not just live through the faith of another so last week, Pastor Brett kicked off for us what is now a short series on the vision of Valley Church, and we're spending the next few weeks looking at what we've identified as our three pillars for the vision of this place, formation, multiplication, and service. So we're striving to go where the Lord has been leading us. We believe that he has called us to be a church that doesn't just build up itself, but one that multiplies and sends out from itself. We believe that nothing we've been given by the Lord is meant to just stay with us, that it's always to go in us and through us and out from us to others. But one thing that's vital when it comes to multiplying is the spiritual health of those who are being multiplied. So if we have spiritual unhealth or apathy or anything like that, you can fill in the blank, then those things are the things that we don't really want to multiply, right? Now, obviously no one's perfect and those things are going to happen, but we really don't want to just multiply and send out from unhealth. And so in our teachings, uh, we will be pointing us more and more to the rhythms and rules of life that Jesus taught and modeled for us with the goal of, for all of us being uh, to, to begin implementing them more and more into our Monday through Saturday instead of putting all the pressure of our faith onto kind of the small window here on Sunday mornings. And so you may have noticed that we have scaled back some ministry offerings over the last few years, and that was intentional. Again, it all had to go through this prism of, does it get us to where God is calling us to go? And as we identified those things that do help us with that, we put our focus and now our staffing on those offerings in order to improve them, to make them better. And now that those things have 
found and are finding their rhythm, we are now actively pursuing additional offerings to fill in some gaps, working with some elective offerings, both podcasts and then in person. We're having an elder retreat uh, that starts next month, and we're going to be focusing on how do we supplement our ongoing ministries to aid our people's spiritual formation. So those are the things that we're excited about, we're, we're looking forward to. Now, if you're like me, when I first became a believer, then, the fo- then following Jesus meant doing and not doing a lot of things. I kind of mentioned that. And we really, we just read it, the, the putting off the old, the putting on the new. For me, this was do this, don't do that. Say this, don't say that. Go here, don't go there. Avoid these people, only hang out with these people. That's what it felt like to me. And then I thought if I could just cut out all the bad, then I'll be good. And, that, and I mean, that's what all that would be left, right? If you cut out all the bad, then of course, everything that would be left would be good. But that's wrong. You know why? Because we're still sinful. I'm still sinful. Does that mean that I'm not saved? Does that mean that my faith is not real? Well, no. There's a difference between justification and sanctification. So justification has to do with our position before God. Right, how he sees us, how he sees us as, as holy because of the blood of Jesus and, and made perfect because of that, the new self, our justification. But then we have this thing called sanctification, which is the process of becoming like Jesus, the way that you change over time. It's a lifetime thing. So Romans 3, 23 through 25, it says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as the mercy seat by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. In Romans 5, 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And actually, you could just read all of Romans 5 to see how our faith in Jesus has given us a right standing before God. So that means that our sins, past, present, future, they're forgiven and they're remembered no more. We praise God for that. When we look, or when God the Father looks at us, he sees the holiness of Jesus for all of those who have placed their faith in him. But like I mentioned, even while it's true that we are positionally right with God, we still live here. We still live in this sin-stained, scarred world. We still have our flesh. And living here in this world in our flesh is hard. We aren't instantly sanctified and perfect after, after we believe. And I know that it feels like it would make things a whole lot easier if that were the case. And if there's one thing that we like as humans, it's for things to be easier. We like instant results. We like easy paths. We like cliff notes instead of reading the actual book. We like TikToks and YouTube shorts instead of actually watching whole videos now. We will actually, if you're scrolling, you'll, you'll, you'll zoom right by anything that doesn't captivate you in like two seconds. If it's like, ah, you took too long. Get, get to the point or get off my screen, right? Like we don't have enough time. <laughs> Our mental capacities are too, we're too short. Um, So we want life to be easy, and it applies across the board from our daily commute to work and the way the traffic is kind of flowing, or the weather conditions, or the tasks that we have at hand, all the way into our spiritual lives. And while I wish that we were fully sanctified in that one moment, it really makes sense when you think about it, why we aren't. Because I believe it helps us realize who God is and who he isn't. 
Like the purpose of our salvation is to be in relationship with him. There's no such thing as a good relationship where one party knows nothing or very little about the other party. That's not a relationship. That's not a very good one. And so without this process of sanctification, without this process of becoming more like Jesus and less like the world, I think we would fail to see our continual need for him. We would fail to see just how forgiving he really is, just how loving and patient he really is, or just how good he really is, because through that process, this lifetime experience of sanctification, we mess up, and sometimes we mess up pretty bad, pretty majorly, and he loves us still, and he forgives us still. And that process helps us to understand his heart, to understand his character, and it also helps us to help others. But sometimes, Christians, we, we use our justification, our position with God, as an excuse to not put any pursuit into sanctification, into becoming like him. We'll say things like, well, I'm good. I've dodged the going to hell bullet, so now I'll just do whatever I want to do. I'm good. Or we'll say things like, uh, or we'll use the unattainable nature of sanctification because we're never going to reach full sanctification until we meet Jesus face to face. We'll use that as a reason to just be apathetic to it. It's too hard. I'll never be perfect, so why try? But any church of Jesus must pursue the common goal of God making each of us more and more like Christ. And we see this in the church at Antioch. Those leaders, they were using the practices, the way of life Jesus modeled for us, praying, worshiping, fasting, setting aside time, and abiding in, they were abiding in Jesus as the true vine, so that they, as the branches, could bear much fruit. So I know that when we start talking about all of these practices, there's like a tendency to want to avoid it, to think that it's avoiding rules or we're avoiding rituals or, or these practices, practices because we don't want to sound like we're, gonna, like, we're, like we're being legalistic or we don't want to imply that my actions have anything to do with my salvation. And they don't, but they do play a part in how you follow Jesus. So following Jesus is what we do after we've placed our faith in him. We don't just believe, receive, and then leave. We stay with him and then he stays with us. Our purpose as followers of Jesus is to be with him, to become like Jesus, and to do what he did. And so we have this word discipleship. In the original Greek and Hebrew, this word, it means pupil or learner. So the idea and the word that we've been talking about is apprentice, apprenticeship. So we'll think about what an apprentice would do. He would organize his life around these three principles, to be with his master, to become like his master, and to do what his master did. But in following Jesus, it isn't just about doing the things that he did. You can do a lot of things and be void of the true heart and purpose behind them. Like I said earlier, I did a lot of things and made a lot of changes, not for a deeper pursuit of Jesus, but for my wife, my girlfriend at the time, uh, for grace, and in the hopes of looking like a good Christian. I was trying to make sure I, I looked the part and that I wasn't like standing out too much and that I really fit the mold. I didn't want to be, I was, you know, for me, I was known as something and I wanted so badly not to be known as this thing anymore. Just don't think of me as this. And so I did everything I could just to be thought of differently, but I didn't really go to the true source of that life change, if that makes sense. So Paul says in 
Uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. But this wasn't just in word or in deed. This was in attitude and character as well. The point is deep and vibrant relationship with your Savior. And as Paul invited his hearers to model his example, it was one that was deeply formed and connected to the example of Christ. And in following Jesus, we see how this formation grows. And as we grow, the desires of the flesh begin to wane and his desires become our desires. And so this formation stuff, this spiritual formation, it is really just a fancier way of saying what we've been saying, becoming more like Christ and becoming more aware of his presence in our lives. To ultimately get rid of this self-imagined space and distance in our relationship with him because it's not there. It's spiritual maturity. And so this process, that process of formation, that's the, that's the why and the how of all of this. It's the way that we apply a level of intentionality to our formation, one that is rooted in love of God and with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and one that is based on the lifestyle and the patterns and the rhythms that are displayed by Jesus himself. So there's no way that I could cover in depth every aspect of this topic this morning. This is too broad of a subject. But what I'm hoping to do is to help us see the principle behind it. The things that we do, they do something to us. And as a follower and apprentice of Jesus, I am to not only study what he did and why he did it, but I am to impl implement it into my daily life as well in the pursuit of becoming more like him. In that process, we notice key disciplines and practices. That's what we've been kind of harping on recently. He gave us examples to follow, practices that cultivated deep relationship, things like spending time in the quiet place. We see Jesus do that frequently. Spending time in silence, in solitude alone with God. Prayer, fasting, reading his word, meditating on it, and so on. And a lot of times people like to say, and they think that these various practices associated with spiritual formation are the formation itself, but they are simply the tools to help us in our pursuit of becoming more like Jesus, which gets back to the idea of we aren't just doing things for the sake of doing them or looking the part. And then the opposite can be said about just having knowledge, just having information, because teaching information alone is insufficient. We know a lot of things about Jesus. We've studied him for a couple thousand years now. We know how he moved and how he acted. We know so much about him. But how has that knowledge made an impact on you in the way that you live your life? For some, it changes everything. It changes everything. That information is put to work and through the pursuit of Jesus, we see life transformation. While for others, it stays where it started as just facts and information that haven't done much in bringing about any change. We just know a lot. See, placing your faith in Jesus and the salvation that you received from doing so, it is major. It is the most important thing that has ever happened to you and that will ever happen to you. But there is still a life to live here. That's what we're saying. And the way that you live that life matters. 
Think about it like this. Michael Jordan didn't become the best basketball player to ever play the game because someone just told him how to play. He didn't just read a book and master the game. Right? He took the information that he was taught and then he put it into practice. Yes, the information was essential, but so was the practice of it. So Philippians 2, verses 12 through 13 comes to mind when Paul says, Therefore, my dear friends, just as, you all, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his purposes. And so that phrase, continue to work out your own salvation, implies some action, some discipline. Practice in pursuit of a life with God, knowing him and being with him, recognizing his work and will in you and for you. And that, that verse likes to trip people up because it thinks that, again, we have to work out and like hold on to our salvation and work for it or we're going to lose it or all of that. I don't think it's saying any of that. I just think it's implying what we just said, to just work at it. Take, take time to practice following him knowing that what we do in a pursuit matters because, like I said, the things that we do do something to us. We are all being formed by everything that we do. And everything that we do either forms us more into looking like Jesus or away from looking like him. Everything we do matters. Through repetition, you begin to change the way that you think. You know, there's a reason why you're addicted to your phone. There's a reason why your first response to frustration is anger because through daily repetition, you are conditioning yourself to react and to respond in those ways. You are just deepening the hold that those things have in your life, their habits. But through practice and patience, you can rewrite the habits of your heart and mind to be aimed at Jesus He's given you his Holy Spirit to equip you and to help you and to teach you and to guide you and to give you all that you need to do this. It's his work. And you can actually find freedom from those things as you pursue him. But let me tell you, you got to fight for it. You have to fight for it. We fight for all sorts of things that matter to us. If your marriage is on the rocks, you're going to fight to save it, hopefully. We fight to make time for our families, we fight to make time for our kids. We fight for the promotion we want at work. We fight for the life that we've been dreaming of. We fight for a lot of things. But when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, it's usually the first thing to go when life throws us a curveball. It's the first thing that we will let slip. But if you read the Bible for any amount of time and all that's in there, what we see are interruptions and curveballs all the time. Jesus was always interrupted. Always, always thrown a curveball. So were his people. And what we see is that when those things came, what we see is people running to the Lord, not from him. Through prayer, fasting, worship, or whatever else, you don't really see anybody running away from the Lord except for Jonah. And you saw where that landed him, in the belly of a whale. The point being is that it's difficult. It takes dedication and discipline. It takes carving things out of your life in order to create margin for him. So what's the point of all of this? Well, I think it's to know and experience the daily presence of God in our lives, to feel the warmth 
of his embrace, to know that you aren't alone, to know that he sees your heart, but he also sees when it breaks and how it breaks. To know that because of his great love for you, he came and he suffered and he died so that you could taste the freedom of forgiveness and walk in the joy of the Lord. See, we live with not only a future hope, but one that is present. Our life with Jesus is now, and his promises are for you now, not just later. But without formation, without deep love and a relationship with Jesus at our core, then how can we really move forward? How can we share the love of Jesus? How can we be his hands and feet if we don't know what he did? How can we, uh, if we or uh, let me see, if we aren't living it for ourselves, then how can we say, follow me as I follow Christ, if there isn't any actual pursuit present in our lives? See, John 15 tells us to abide in Jesus. It paints this beautiful picture of him as the vine and us as the branch. And apart from him, we can do nothing. But do we live as though this is true? Or do we live as though we'd be just fine without him? Sometimes our lives look as though he isn't a part of it at all. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're wondering like, well, well, what does Jesus think about fill in the blank? Or, or how would he respond to whatever kind of situation is on your mind? Or maybe you're here and you're like, man, this sounds good, but where can I go to find out about what you're saying, about this lifestyle of Jesus or the way it looks? Well, you need the word. We sang about it. It's essential. The word is an essential part of this process. How will you know his character? How will you study his lifestyle? How can you understand the heart of God and how he speaks to us without knowing his story? How can you begin to put into practice anything that would be useful for being like Jesus without his word at the front of the line? To do any of this apart from his word is foolish. His word is the word of life. His word is how he revealed himself to us today in the first place. And his word is how he continually teaches you of himself. So 2 Timothy 3.16, this is a a popular passage, it says, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So in preparing this and reading that passage, the words training and equipping popped out. The understanding is that it takes time and effort. Training isn't easy. It takes time and effort to train for anything. To become equipped means that you were worked on, you had some changing, you grew. It takes time and practice, it takes practice. So for some of you, you may already have a great rhythm of daily practices in your life. But for a lot of us, this can be overwhelming and almost feel so daunting that we avoid it altogether. But just hang in there with me, and I hopefully will bring some relief to you here shortly. So most people, when we start talking about these practices or, or this formation stuff, most people start at skills and behavior modification, like how I did when they first followed Jesus. But it really starts here in this daily pursuit of the Lord, and it lasts a lifetime. This is a pursuit that never reaches a finish line. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't remove unhealthy and, and sinful habits from your life. I think we need to wage war on those parts of us. 
But the way that it is done is by falling in love with Jesus and fighting to be with him in every moment of your day. It's never too early and it's never too late to put into place practices that will help you love the Lord more and help you become more like him. But I think it starts by making some decisions. You have to decide that you need this. You have to look at your life, look at your already existing rhythm and see what needs changed. Step one is just making the decision to say, yeah, I need this. I believe, but I want to truly follow Jesus, and I want to see my life transformed into his image, one that reflects his heart and the image of Jesus back to the world around me, one that is as gracious and as as loving as he is to me. And if that's you this morning, then tell him that you want this. Ask him for his help. Invite him into your schedule. Invite him into your already existing routines. Give him access to all of it. Ask him what needs to go. Because you may be wondering, like, do I have to add all these things, like prayer, fasting, uh, uh, reading my Bible, uh, silence and solitude, like all of these, I have to add all of these things into my life in order to do this? Well, I think what we need to do is think subtraction, not addition. We really need to evaluate our lives. We do need to remove some things that are keeping us from this. Because if you try to squeeze a bunch of this in, it will only lead to frustration. You will feel overwhelmed, you will feel bogged down, you will like, you already know, you can already feel it now as you think about what you're doing after this and the start of Monday morning and the work, all of that stuff. We have our lives so overbooked that adding things in for the Lord feels like just more work. So we need to remove things. So a couple weeks ago, Pastor Brett challenged us to spend a few moments with Jesus before we grab our phones in the morning. You guys remember that? Before you launch into the day, before you start checking all your stuff, just to spend some time with Jesus, just a few minutes. To spend three minutes with him in quiet. Maybe read a paragraph of scripture and just sit on that as you go through your day. Man, doing that is a win. Honestly, for most of us, if we just alter the amount of time we spend on our phones, then we'd be surprised at the margin of, that we could build into our lives. Just any kind of alteration to your phone time would, would do wonders. But then let's think about what it really looks like practically for like, let's say, a, a stay-at-home parent, single parents, or, or those with multiple jobs, those who really have a lot of constraint on their time and they have no other options. What I want you to know first, and I hope you believe and feel, is that he is present with you in those moments, in those places. And sometimes it's hard to get a consistent schedule. Life looks different for most of us, for all of us. But he is there, even in your chaos. And maybe it's when you finally get the kids down for a nap that you have a few fleeting moments to sit in silence. So do that with the Lord. Or maybe it's between drive, or it's, bet- it's between jobs and on the drive from one to another that you sit in quiet with the Lord. Or maybe it's at the end of the day and the kids are down and you're exhausted and you would really just rather escape into the numbness of the internet. But how much more rest would you find? How much more fulfillment would you find from resting in the Lord, from taking the day and its frustrations and everything else that it threw at you to him for just a few moments? I mean, for all of us, it would look different. It will look different. And as you learn from the example of Jesus and as you begin to find a rhythm in your life, it will form into whatever it needs to in order for you to look, in order for it, it'll form into whatever it needs to look like for your life and your personality. So start small if you have to. 
set small goals, maybe little benchmarks. I think a lot of times we get overwhelmed because we're like, okay, you want me to spend like an hour with the Lord here and 30 minutes here? I'm not saying that. That'd be great. But set small goals. If you've been working at not picking up your phone for the first few moments of your day and spending time with the Lord and quiet, maybe after a week or so of that, add in some small prayer where you ask God, how can I love you more today? Show me a way I can serve you, serve others, do something selfless, engage someone, pursue you. Is there some way that I can love you and serve you in this day? Let's be honest, that kind of prayer takes a few moments. You have time for that. You have time for it. The reason why you will have trouble with it is not because you don't really want to pray. Well, I hope that it's not because you don't want to pray. Well, for most of you, hopefully that's not the reason, but because you are not in the habit of doing so. It's your habit to wake up, grab the phone, wake up, do whatever your morning routine is, get started with the day. So we'd have to take some practice in it. And like I've said, I've said it multiple times this morning, the goal in our pursuit of becoming like Jesus and in our practicing isn't to modify our behavior, to add more to our schedules, or to check the box of good Christian. It is to become more in love with Jesus, more in tune to his spirit in our lives, and to experience the peace, love, hope, and joy in life with him now. And then from that, transformation and life change come about And so as Paul has instructed us through our passage this morning, let's follow God's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us. So wherever you're at, wherever it may be this morning, right, as best as you know how, commit to loving and following him. Commit to knowing him and trusting him, and to follow him with your life. And so lastly, if you're here and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, if you've never given your life to him, then you don't know the forgiveness and grace of Jesus, the thing that we speak of. He came and he lived and he died to show us his heart for us, to forgive us, to display his glory and mercy, and to offer you hope and eternal life. Freedom from sin and from shame. He came to offer you life and life to the full. He desires to be with you and for you to be with him. For some of you this morning, that's your starting point. So confess to him now that you believe in him and want to follow him. And so we're going to spend a few moments in in response. I want to give us a few moments to just let everything sink in and let it settle. To spend some time in silence between you and the Lord Just a few moments where you ask him to draw your mind to what he wants for you in this. Maybe you've busied your life with a lot of things, maybe even good things, but it's still a lot. Maybe for you it's learning from Jesus how to live an unhurried and decluttered life so that you can follow him better. Maybe you need to have him identify some unhealthy habits that lead you away from him and how you can replace those with things that will form you closer to him. So I want you to spend the next few moments with him, and then I'll close us in our prayer time.